3: Good morning. It is Friday, September 22nd. It is five minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. He's doing it again, Rob. Talking about Joe Biden, he's yelling at us again. This time he's talking about the deficit and he's saying that the deficit is uh, growing smaller under him. He's trying to take credit for reducing the federal budget deficit. Uh, Fact checkers say, no, this is not correct. It has actually gotten bigger under Biden. So uh, what's going on? Can this guy not do math?
1: Well, okay, Casey, The bigger problem for me is the just random yelling. Mm. I mean, you look at the signs that somebody is mentally not there Mm -hmm. and anybody who has had a family member who has suffered from dementia of some sort, whether it's Alzheimer's or sundowners or whatever it is, the random loud bursts of anger is a hallmark Of that. And when you couple the repeated inability of Biden to properly execute everything from shaking hands to walking off the stage to Mm -hmm. whatever, look, we chuckle about him just randomly yelling in the middle of a speech, but it's a sign of something something pretty serious yeah you mentioned many uh, people
3: yeah uh so he he had a couple gaps just in 24 hours walk into a flag he didn't shake the president of brazil's hand when he was done with the speech and then there's the blank stare that you get when reporters try asking him something i know he's not going to answer so but it's it's almost just like an empty stare off into space
1: yes and he uh did this again yesterday where he's giving a speech and in the middle of it just randomly starts yelling mm-hmm. for no reason take a listen
2: and we're doing all this while reducing the deficit i love our friends on the right talk about omega guys about reducing the deficit give me a break on my watch deficit have already fallen over one trillion dollars and I signed legislation to reduce the deficit by another trillion dollars in the next decade. He's being being very emphatic. Like, he's trying to make a point, right?
1: There, but there's a way to do that. <laughs> like, I've gotten pretty good at it over the years, Casey. Mm-hmm. And there's a way it involves, you know, how you talk into the microphone, where you're at, when you do. There's no reason for him to be yelling. I mean, play that again. Like, there's no, there's no thing where you would like, hey, there's a real cres- crescendo coming up here.
2: And we're doing all this while reducing the deficit. Okay. I love our friends on the right talk about a mega guys about reducing the deficit. Give me a break. On my watch, deficits have already fallen over $1 trillion. And I signed legislation to reduce the deficit by another trillion dollars in the next decade.
1: Okay, so let, let's just take away the fact that he's completely full of crap when he's when he's talking about reducing the deficit. So the Republicans and Democrats printed all that record money during COVID in 2020. Mm-hmm. He takes over in 2021. He still prints a lot more money than we bring in. He just doesn't print. It's like Hogshead with the homicides. Homicides went down last year. Yeah, from the record level, idiot. Mm-hmm. They're still way up from when you took over, and they're near record level. I mean, it's the same little, you know, word salad, you know, Scheme and scam Where it's like Well it's not as bad As it was the year before But that was a record level of bad It's still worse than it was Two years ago But it's not as bad As it was the year before Take all of that Out of the equation Again There's no reason for him to be yelling. He did
3: that. Wasn't it just a week ago? He was talking about big pharma and he was talking about prescription drugs and he was talking, you're going to pay somewhere between 20 to 40% less than those in other countries. Same exact drug. And he just started yelling.
1: And when you talk about running into the flag and not shaking the guy's hand and leaving, I mean, he is a Saturday Night Live skit at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, but he's really the president. I mean, he is he is a walking, talking Saturday Night Live skit, but he is in charge of the nation. And Casey, I'm going to I mentioned this yesterday, so Mm -hmm. I wanted I actually pulled the audio of it. There is a famous. This is how ridiculous the Biden thing has gotten. So you just heard the random yelling. There is a famous episode of The Office where Jim, who's one of the workers in the office, convinces Dwight, another one of the workers in the office, Dwight has to give this big speech in front of other paper salesmen, and he has no idea what he's doing, he's super nervous, and Jim convinces Dwight to read a Mussolini speech, Mm -hmm. and to start waving his arms, and pounding on the podium, and yelling at random times, and I challenge you to listen to what you just heard, and tell me (laughs) if Joe Biden has not become Dwight Schrute.
2: I say, salesmen
1: and women of the world, unite. We must never acquiesce, for it is together, together that we prevail. We must never cede control of the motherland, for it is together.
3: Oh, thank goodness Biden doesn't really pound on the it's, podium. Is it, it,
1: but is it not the exact same thing?
3: Yeah, it is. And he, he did it another time, too. He was talking about name me one objective America. We can't accomplish it together. And then do you remember? He's like, name
1: one. It, 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 exactly. I mean, it is as though Jim has written the speech for Dwight. Um, but this is not the only egregious thing he did at that speech, Casey.
3: Oh, Yeah. It's like he didn't even know where he was. Okay, I think I think we need to play it first. Okay. For everybody to listen, and and then we can point out what the mistake was.
1: Well, yeah, okay. So let's just tell everybody again that he is addressing in this speech before we get into it, just mm-hmm. we will just set it up like this. He is addressing the Congressional Hispanic <laughs> Caucus. Mm-hmm. Okay, ready?
2: Yeah. Go. And I mean this sincerely. My dad used to say, everyone. Everyone is entitled to be treated with dignity and respect. The Congressional Black Caucus embodies all those values. Wait a minute. That's not right.
1: Okay, we're going to, in case you didn't catch it. So he is addressing the Congressional
2: Hispanic Hispanic Caucus. Caucus,
1: Mm -hmm. And here is what he had to say.
2: And I mean this sincerely. My dad used to say everyone, everyone is entitled to be treated with dignity and respect. The Congressional Black Caucus embodies all those values. Mm Mm-hmm. He does not know where he is
1: Now, look Red or yellow, black or white We are all precious in his sight Jesus loves the little children of the world Mm -hmm. And we're all unique and very special But Casey, wouldn't you think That you could figure out who you were addressing Just by looking out (laughs) into into the audience Yes
3: I, I I get what you're saying.
1: I mean, wouldn't I mean, or even turning
3: if, around and looking at the bana- banner well, behind you? Well, that's also a possibility, <laughs> I mean, there's Casey. a banner right behind him with a huge logo. Oh. And there's a teleprompter in front of him, and he most likely has note cards in his hand. (laughs) None of these things are working. Somebody needs to get the uh, proverbial cane and yank him off the world stage.
1: (laughs) We got to take a break.
3: That's your president. Congratulations. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about
0: Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: 17 After 11 with Kendall and Casey on 93
3: WIBC. The governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, seems to really be changing her tune. She once invited all of the illegal immigrants to come to her sanctuary city. Yes. But uh, now her message has changed, oh, hasn't it? That's wild. Yeah.
1: Uh, Because it is almost like they didn't really actually want the illegal immigrants in New York. But they thought, well, we'll just say that because Trump's in office and orange man bad. And uh, we know that by and large, Texas and Arizona and Florida will be stuck with these illegal immigrants. And then we can virtue signal and grandstand and not have to actually uh, put up or shut up. And uh, these governors have called their bluff. And they are uh, they're not apparently very happy to have to have the illegal immigrants they claim to have wanted.
3: Yeah. Like uh, Hammer said earlier when he was joining us, it's a real blank show down there right now. Yep. And there's a, a second train full of. Illegals that have arrived. Nobody's stopping them. It's like the Biden administration is just inviting the surge and then handing out special status and ID cards and giving 500,000 work permits. Uh, just Wednesday alone, 10,000 people crossed the border. The mayor of Eagle Pass, Texas, says that they've been abandoned. And the governor of Texas saying that it's a uh, uh, crisis situation it has been and a lot of these people are getting bussed up to new york and when she once said sure come here to our sanctuary city now the governor of new york is saying um you don't have to go home but you can't stay here
2: we have to let the word out that when you come to new york we're not
3: going to have more hotel rooms we don't have capacity so Mm. we have to also message properly that Mm. we're at our limit If you're going to leave your country, go somewhere else. But the smarter thing is to apply for asylum before you leave your country. She sounds like someone who's closing down the bar.
1: Well, again, it's the hypocrisy of these people and they're I mean they are liars. They that's I mean the best description for them. They never actually wanted the people there. They don't want to actually have to take care of the people. They were using it for political purpose and for political win and these people are political pawns to them. They want the people in the country because they believe they will be they will create a Reliable generation of Democrat voters, dependent on government service, but they don't want to in the present have to be the people who took care of them.
3: Yeah. Costing her city $12 billion. And of course that's money and resources being taken away from other things. Let's talk about this new study that was done about young people and where they're living. Oh yeah. 45% of people ages 18 to 24 now living at home with their families. And that is the highest figure since the 1940s.
1: You know, it's interesting because I would guess in the 1940s, especially because you had people who were either going to war or returning home from war. You had a lot of, hey, we've got to have, you know, our sons or daughters around the house, the family farms, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, in order to make sure society kind of continues to, to run and you had a lot of people who were clearly displaced like i said going to or from from battle um etc and so that you know makes sense that during that period of time there would be a lot of people in their late teens early 20s who are still living at home today i think it's just an economics thing yeah. i think the, the pure cost of living uh on your own when you factor in how hard it is one to get an apartment that's it Any anything decent, and then keep it, and then the ever rising rate of rent, and now obviously it's incredibly hard to get a to for many younger people to get a home because of the interest rates, et cetera. It's just cheaper to say screw it i'm gonna stay at home
3: back with mom and dad so more than 60 percent of gen zers and millennials are reportedly moving back home and this is over the past two years and this is a harris poll and according to the poll you're right rob they say it's because of financial challenges 40 percent of these people say it's to save money 30 percent say they can't afford to live on their own. Yeah. Their their paycheck won't cover rent and other factors included. Some people are saying it's so that they can pay down debt. Uh, 16% are saying it's because they're recovering from a financial emergency.
1: I was having a conversation. This must have been, maybe it was Wednesday, I think. Wednesday. With a very successful young who person who is like right in the middle of this age range so it's 18 mm-hmm. to 29 i think this person's mm-hmm. 24 25 and we were talking about just this this is a professional successful person this is not some guy who's sleeping in his basement until noon each day etc he's out working making money you would see him you would say there's a guy on the ball he is still living at home and i had asked him i said boy this must be a real drag if you are attempting interpersonal relationships mm-hmm. with members of the opposite sex sure. to say, would you like to come back to my parents' place? And he looked at me and he said, I just do road games these days. <laughs> and he said, this, I mean, he's just straight up, it's just, it's just, there's no reason for me to be living on my own right now because my their house is big enough to where he doesn't really see his parents a whole lot and financially it is just so cost, it's so ineffective Mm -hmm. from a cost perspective that unless you're going to have a place with like two or three roommates or whatever, which then in that case, what's the difference anyway, you might as well just live at home.
3: 40% of people who do live at home in this age group said that they are happier now living at home. And that's probably due to the less stress. You know what? You think they're lying? No, I don't think they're lying. I think,
1: look, yes, obviously from a financial standpoint, Yes, mm-hmm. it is better, and everybody should do whatever is best for them, and everybody should do whatever is best for their needs in the in the moment. I don't pretend to know those or judge those. I will say this though, Casey. Yeah. As someone, I think I was 23 when I ventured out into the ether on my own, mm-hmm. and I will say that part of being a young person, and part of the experience of being a young person is the ability of learning and experiencing being on your own and the freedom that comes with independence from someone else i I just think that's part of being a young person i i don't i don't think by and large being at home while it might be a necessity is an ideal situation
3: you think that they need to learn from the mistakes that they I make
1: just, I just yeah and I just think the world being open to you I just think learning about hey like you know how do I make sure I pay the rent on time how mm-hmm. do I make sure the heating bill is taken care of how do I just just things you don't think about until you're out on your own and you say well gosh I better figure that out pretty quick when I my first place I had I was renting a house off 56 in Georgetown and to go from Brownsburg to 56 in Georgetown. Mm-hmm. That was a different set of clientele sure. living around me, and I and I didn't live there super long, but I did learn a lot, and I met people that were my neighbors, and it was a very interesting experience that I took with me going forward. And ultimately, I, you know, you move in another place and you have different experiences. And I just, again, I realize that from a financial standpoint, it may not, financial circumstances may necessitate living at home. I just don't think it's an ideal thing from a social perspective, from a personal growth perspective. I think it's really easy to get caught up when everything is kind of not necessarily maybe provided for you, but you know, there's always the safety net of, Hey, it will be taken. care. Sure. Of.
3: Okay. So a third of the people said that they felt smart, that they were making a good decision by doing that. However, A majority, a big whopping majority, 87% of these people said that they feel like they're being judged by other people when they do move back home.
1: Look, you shouldn't judge other people because everybody has their own circumstances and everybody has their own reasons. And if you're a person who's trying to be, you know, some people take care of their parents. Mm -hmm. Some people, it's, you know, it's better if they have, you know, an older parent for them to be there. So it shouldn't be something you point at them and laugh. I'm just saying from the age range we're talking about here, which specifically with this one is 18 to 29, and you are in your mid 20s, you are in the prime of your, I need to learn independence and how to interact with others. And I think you're maybe missing that if you are if circumstances dictate you need to be at home.
3: You know, my daughter is in that age range. She is. And, and she's away at college, so she is doing that kind of living on her own, figuring things out. And the first year of college is kinda of like being away at a camp, you know. And then that starts to wear off and you have to figure out how to adult. Yeah. But I know she is very nervous about when she graduates, how she will be able to afford to live on her own. Yes. If she doesn't have roommates, how she would save for a house. And all of that, and of course, as an empty nester, yes, I would welcome her back with open arms and say, "Yeah, come on back. We'll help you, uh, especially while you save, uh, you know, while you get going." But there's got to be a certain point where I feel like you really got to get out there on your own, and you, as you mentioned, figure it out.
1: Here's a great example of what I'm talking about: how about things you just have to figure out on your own? How to and, put
3: softener in the well, <laughs> okay. salt in the softener, and. and that I will forever
1: remember this. So uh, I lived in a house a 56 in Georgetown. I was renting a house and it had a, you know, an attached garage to it. And one night my buddy says, hey, do you want to go, uh, and this will shock you, Casey, you want to go pound some, some, some brews to the, <laughs> to the North of where we're at off 56th mm-hmm. street. And uh, I said, yeah, absolutely. And said, he said, I'll drive. Well, for some reason I had forgotten to put take my keys because i just wasn't driving and it was one of those it was in the days where they had the sort of the old school garage door opener where as long as you it it didn't have the sensor on it right so your job was to you could hit the garage there was no keypad and you need to run out sprint out yeah and i you know and you're doing it and in the midst of doing all that i forgot to bring a garage door or opener or a key with me Mm -hmm. and as soon as the garage door closed you knew and i said oh crap Mm -hmm. what am i going to do now now, of course, I did the responsible thing, Casey, and I spent the next seven hours drinking, figuring it out. But ultimately, I figured out a way to get back. In the, yeah, I'm just saying, like, these are just the little things mm-hmm. that you never have to think about or worry about. And it teaches you critical thinking and the ability to get yourself out of problems that you get yourself into. And you don't go through those things if you always have somebody there to, to bail you out.
3: Yeah, well, I think binomics is playing a huge uh, impact into this. According to Rent.com, the average rent for the month of August, $2,052. Yeah. Yikes! How much? (laughs) $2,052. Yikes! Yeah, imagine you're just starting out. That is a big yikes. You're listening to Kendall and Casey. It's 93
2: WIBC. Blew up the chicken mane, it's really nice. Some
3: people just could not learn a lesson. Case in point, Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey. It is 1132. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WYBC. Him and his wife have been indicted by a federal grand jury, and this is the second
1: time. Yes! In the past 10 years, Bob Menendez mm-hmm. has now been indicted twice, mm-hmm. and you can't say... Oh, my gosh, look at, uh, you know, the Trump administration weaponizing themselves against this poor Democrat. No, it's Biden's. DOJ, who is indicting this guy? So, uh, yes, several years ago he was indicted. He beat the ch- corruption charges uh, then, and it surprised. I think it surprised a lot of people that the jury sided with him at the time. But now he is accused of accepting, according to CNN, hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes in exchange for influence. And talk about just. They, they, he got gold. I mean, he, he was Lavish not- Lavish gifts. He, he was, it was, I mean, he was not like specific or picky about anything. It sounds like what I would take uh, for working here. Gold, cash, home mortgage payments mm-hmm. and compensation for low or no, sh- or for a low or no show job and a luxury vehicle.
3: Fantastic. 39 page uh, indictment on this guy. And what it began in, in 2018. Like if this already happened once, he did he get reelected did he have to run during this time
1: yeah he i mean he was reelected after his after he beat those uh charges um and i mean it's like you know you know what this is comparable to remember when uh oj got arrested for holding that guy up in vegas over sports memorabilia and he and oj ended up going to prison for several years over that and it was like dude you killed two people and got away with it. Wouldn't you just disappear? Mm-hmm. Same thing with this guy. Like, dude, you beat federal corruption charges. Wouldn't you just just
3: go away? Well, according to this report, federal agents found about $480,000 in cash <laughs> in his house. And it was stuffed in envelopes, hidden in clothing, in closets, and a safe. And like you mentioned, they found gold bars worth about $100,000. So, But he wants to stay in power. Well, of
1: course. but Because he here,
3: wants to continue doing it.
1: But here's the thing about this, Casey. These politicians, now this guy is clearly just so greedy and stupid that he does things that keep getting himself. I mean, the, the, the politicians in Washington, D.C. write the laws all, so that there are things that happen all the time. If you or I did them, we'd go to federal prison. Mm-hmm. If they do them, it's totally legal. This insider trading stuff, which absolutely has to be stopped. Um, but... This guy is so brazen about it that even the Biden Justice Department is like, yeah, that's a- bit much. You're out of here. That's
3: that's where the line is. Okay, glad we know where it is that they crossed it. 1135 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.
1: Allegedly. Well, allegedly. I mean, lots of people just have 500K uh, roughly laying around their house, right? Casey? Stuffed
3: in their socks yeah, in a drawer. Sure, sure you do. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about what the Biden campaign manager said. Her name is Julie Rodriguez and uh, she says that most Latinos do not understand Biden's economy (laughs)
1: so basically she's saying i love this she gets you know asked about biden's got some terrible polling numbers with latinos right now Mm -hmm. and she gets asked about it and she basically says things are really good the latinos they're just too stupid to know how good they are
2: two-thirds of latino respondents in our poll say things in america right now aren't that great how do you convince them otherwise
0: Well, you know, part of it is getting out and making sure that we're, again, reaching them and and ensuring that they understand the accomplishments this administration has brought forward.
1: Pay no attention to your actual experience. Mm -hmm. We're going to tell you how good your experience is, and then you'll realize how good your experience is.
3: How about instead of trying to convince people that things are good, they actually just make them good.
1: Yes, Casey.
3: It's all they're more worried about the messaging than the actual execution.
1: Seems like a super reasonable request.
3: Uh so in this poll, 32% of Latinos said things are very bad.
1: Well, I mean I think that but and only
3: the, 9% said very good.
1: But that is I I think generally in line with the mood of the country and the and the response from this woman here was the same response you get um from the Biden administration when it's the American people as a collective that are polled. Hey, you just don't know how good it is. And we're going to do a better job messaging on how good it is. And even though your experience is horrible, once we message a little better, Mm -hmm. then you'll realize how wonderful your life is.
3: So when something good happens in your life. You tend to know that it's good. You don't have to have somebody explain to you that it's good. Like you
1: get to work with me every day. You don't need somebody to tell you how lucky you are. I
3: don't need somebody convincing me what an amazing accomplishment this is. Yeah, absolutely. I'm already aware of it. You can feel it, right? Mm -hmm. But with the Biden administration, they're going to tell you about all of their great accomplishments rather than you just having that feeling and realizing it on your
1: own. Now you're catching on. Uh, So John Kirby, uh, you know him. He's a spokesperson for Biden. We Mm -hmm. play his uh, just just incredible audio clips from time to time on this program. Um, He said the thing that uh, we have... I mean, Mitch McConnell has confirmed it before, and, and Schumer has confirmed it, and and Biden has said it himself, basically. But John Kirby wants you to make sure it's front of mind, mm-hmm. top of mind, as John Pierre might say, yeah. uh, that we will never, ever get out of giving money to the Ukraine.
0: One of the points that J.D. Vance raises is that it's not clear what the exit strategy is. So, can you speak to that point, to that concern? What's the strategy? What's the exit plan here for the U.S.?
2: Well, again, I'm not exactly clear what the Senator's referring to.
3: Normally, when you talk about exit strategy, you're talking about getting American troops out of a war zone, that kind of thing. It's important to remember that we don't have American troops in Ukraine. Ukrainians are on their soil, and they're fighting for every inch of it. So I don't think they plan on going anywhere. We are providing military aid. We are providing military aid and and obviously financial aid. They are not planning on going anywhere. And the United States is committed to supporting Ukraine for as long as it takes Mm. to succeed on the battlefield. Mm. So if by exit strategy, he's talking about an end of the war, I'd offer this. Mr. Putin could end it today if he just pulled his troops out of uh, Ukraine where they
1: don't belong. So you heard it right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that you haven't heard it before, but a reminder, your, your, your newest reminder, that Ukraine is more important than you, the success and the betterment of Ukraine is more important than the success and betterment of your life. We are devaluing our currency with every dollar we give Ukraine, and we are never stopping because that is more important to the federal government than the plight of you and your family.
3: Yeah, and now you've got uh, Zelensky asking for more air defense, and this uh, this just goes well beyond the humanitarian aid, and now we're going to be in this For 20 years rebuilding that country even when there is an exit but it goes back to the same thing that we've been asking all along what does success look like
1: and it is amazing that neither the i wouldn't expect the democrats would but the republicans have actually voted against a a bill in the house that would require biden to lay that out Mm -hmm. think about that your government has voted against requiring the president of the united states to say hey, you are now going to have to define where all this money is going, why it's going there, and when we're going to be done doing it. And it's just like with almost every other topic, Casey, there are no good guys, there are no bad guys, there's just you, or there's only bad guys, there's just you and me, and we just disagree, right? I mean, we Mm -hmm. are the the Dave Mason characters in a Dave Mason song, or your boyfriend, Billy Dean, I think Mm -hmm. did a cover of that too. Yeah, I did. And... These people don't care about you at all. They don't care about you at all. They love the Ukraine. Uh, I'm not going to use the word money funneling, uh, but... (laughs) they are for some <laughs> undisclosed reason very very interested in uh continuing to send your money to the Ukraine
3: hey quick question before we uh take a break and we do have uh Susan Beckwith who's going to join us for Sue
1: ettte tomorrow today yeah. to upcoming uh, up next mind yes. your
3: manner segment coming up did the writers' strike end no I, I know I've they were see, they no. were talking about that
1: uh, and I don't know how you're gonna get through the weekend does anyone so care trying...
3: like honest question have you missed Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or any of that late night stuff at all? Do you even know that it's not even on?
1: Yeah, like I told you, Casey, I can't tell you the last time I actually watched regular television other than for a a live event, being sports, politics, whatever. Why would you?
3: Well, there's talk that that rider's strike was going to end in the next couple of days.
1: Did you know there's soup etiquette? Did you know there's etiquette to eating your soup, Casey?
3: We're going to find out what it is coming up on 93 WIBC.
1: Taking you into the weekend, teaching you how to be a better member of society. It is the Mind Your Manners segment with our very own former Miss Indiana, Susan Beckwith. And Casey, I don't know about you, but I think this is probably the most important thing we do all week.
3: Yes, absolutely. Teaching everybody how to be a better
1: person. Yeah, because quite frankly, you people need it. And <laughs> you're lucky this program is here. Susan Beckwith joins us now on the drivehubler.com hotline. All right, Susan, soup etiquette this week. I got to admit, I buy the soup... That it's in the little bowl you can heat up itself, and I just start eating. Uh, what am I doing wrong?
0: Well, there are a couple things to consider, and I feel like it's very timely this time of year as we head into the cooler weather. But mm-hmm. first, you want to really make sure that you're sitting up. Straight and you raise the spoon to you versus being really kind of hunched over your bowl. Um, so just really being kind of mindful of that. Now, you can lean forward, so uh, they kind of talk about being a little bit bent inward at the base of your spine, um, but you definitely don't want to be hovering.
1: Wait, 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 time out, time out, time out. This sounds really uncomfortable. I'm already just saying I'll just skip the soup the next time I go out to eat. you got to stand up straight when you eat the soup.
0: Not stand up, but sit up straight. I mean, you probably have both seen, you know, when people are like really completely covering their bowl, like
3: with, you know, their whole body.
1: Yes, it's better known as me. Yes, every time I go out.
3: (laughs) He doesn't want to get it on his clothes. (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, maybe just in private. You and Bruce, you know, when you're at home, it's no big deal when, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you're out. Baby, sit up straight.
1: (laughs) Okay, sit up straight. Sorry, go ahead. I did not mean to cut you off, but I knew that I was already out of this conversation from the beginning. So go ahead.
0: Okay, this is one that both of you, I believe, got right on our little quiz not too long ago. But when we are eating soup, you do want to spoon away from you. That's right. However, I do have a quiz question for you this morning. There is one exception. Do you have any clue what soup that would be?
1: No, there's one soup where I'd want to spoon it towards me. No. Is it a cold soup? A hint.
0: You could actually use your soup spoon and a knife.
3: Stew? Chili? Very good guesses. French onion soup. Oh, because you have to cut that layer on top. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So Okay. So,
1: wait, wait, wait. Let me make sure I understand this right. So, if I got the soup, I got to sit up straight. I got to spoon it away from me unless it's French onion soup. Correct. Okay, so You're going far to be so still good. Refined, Rob. Two You're for two. Gonna... Two for two so far, Susan. <laughs> all right, I'm failing miserably at all of these. What else? What do we got?
0: I'm sure you do this one, but you know you are not supposed to actually blow on your soup to cool it down. You are supposed to just wait patiently. But mm. proper etiquette ah. is that you are not blowing on your soup.
1: Mm. <laughs> so wait, I'm supposed to wait like nine hours for my soup to cool after I get it out of the microwave?
0: It feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? But just one to
3: two minutes probably will, will suffice. <laughs> Isn't that why you're supposed to spoon it away from you to cool it off a little bit on the journey to your mouth?
0: Actually, I believe the way the reason you spoon away is to prevent the spilling. Because you spoon it away and then you kind of tap it on the side of your bowl to prevent any sort of
3: drips. That seems like it's a longer journey for the spoon. <laughs> There's more chances for spillage, but we'll believe you on this, Susan.
1: Uh, Susan Beckwith is our guest. It's your Mind, Your Manners segment. Today, it's soup etiquette. Okay, so what I've heard so far, sit up straight, spoon the soup away from you. Don't even touch the soup for two minutes after it comes to you hot. How much more difficult are you prepared to make this for me, Susan? Go. Well, this one
0: is one that I tend to break on occasion, but... Technically, crackers are not to be crumpled what? into What?
3: No. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Sorry. Don't invite me no, over they're... for
0: soup. And now I will say oyster cracker, crackers are permissible or can be enjoyed, they say, with chowder, which I don't like chowder. <laughs>
3: uh, I, that's the whole point of the oyster cracker or the saltine,
1: <laughs> to put it in the soup. Yeah, doesn't it literally exist to go in the soup? Yeah.
0: Well, you know, they're not supposed to be crumpled and put directly into the Oh, you're the just soup, supposed to take the so. crackers
1: a hole and throw it in there and go, well, I'll just eat me a giant soup coated <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. cracker. I guess you put it in there, let it dissolve a little, and then spoon it in with S- the soup. S- I know. I agree. You know, so I I I agree
0: on this one. It's one that I said I break, especially cuz I like to eat them with my chili. Now, mm-hmm. I have a question for both of you cuz this is serious business in yes. my family. My family, we put macaroni noodles in our chili. No. Mike's family does not.
3: No. Mm. Mike is correct. You are wrong.
1: <laughs> Susan, I have a, Susan, I have a very important question for you. Who in the world? Know. Who in the world makes these rules? Is there some sort of soup society? Like who is? Because who, this all sounds insane to me, and it's the exact opposite of everything that I actually do. So who whose rules am I violating?
0: I love it. Well, these actually are directly from um, Emily Post, who I shared some etiquette with you last week. She's kind of the guru, you know, the one that wrote one of the initial founding books mm-hmm. on etiquette. So I will send you all of my sources so you can, in fact, see <laughs> for yourself that uh, everything being referenced today, yes, is in fact true etiquette. But you know what? It's okay to break a rule every now and then, you know. So I'm sure, Susan, you know. that you're
3: allowed to slip slur- your soup, right? That's oh, completely yes. okay, right? That's a definite no,
1: but ah. I will
3: share. There is actually a bowl
0: that you can drink from.
1: Okay. Wait, you can if Wait, has, you mean Wait, you mean you can you can pick the bowl up and just drink the soup out of the bowl? Yes. Oh, that sounds like something we do at our house. Go ahead. Yes, I'm very interested <laughs> now.
0: It's called a lug soup bowl and it has two handles on the side so huh. i uh hopefully i'm sharing and imparting some new information uh i was not familiar with a lug bowl until i started doing a little bit more of a deep dive into soup etiquette and that was
3: something i came across now what if you don't have a lug is it okay to pick up the bowl No.
1: (laughs) Under no circumstance. All right. Uh, Okay, Susan, any more of these unattainable soup etiquette (laughs) techniques you're about to give me before we tell about the uh, Bell of the Midwest website?
0: Well, this one actually um, pertains to the spoon. So for clear broths or clear soups, you use a small, round spoon. But for cream soups and broths with vegetables, you are supposed to use a large oval spoon.
1: What? (laughs) (laughs)
3: wait did did you say did you say a cream broth with vegetables so if if it's a cream soup so let's
0: think of some cream ones which of course totally escaped my my mind a cream of mushroom or something those you would use a large oval spoon Mm -hmm. or if it is a broth-based soup but it has vegetables in it so a vegetable soup
3: Mm -hmm. when do we actually get to eat
0: it
1: She already told you, Casey. Nine hours from when it comes out of the out of the microwave. Nine hours. Hmm. Here's the thing, you
0: know, these are just good to have in the back of your mind if you're ever in a formal situation yeah. where you really have to lean into them. But at home, I'm sure nobody would care.
1: Well, don't lean too hard because that's breaking rule that's number one. Right, bingo. All right, tell us about the Bell of the Midwest website.
0: Oh, oh goodness. Okay, so. On my Veil of the Midwest um, website, you can find a little bit about the history of why etiquette was uh, is of interest to me kind of the history there who was a big influence in my life that really uh caused me to want to go down this path um you'll also find some great blog content on a myriad of various topics regarding social etiquette you can also reach out to me if you have a question but if you're really wanting to see regular content pretty much every day be sure to follow my bell of the midwest facebook page and like and follow all right
1: Bell of the Midwest, B-E-L-L-E, of the themidwest.com. Also find it on Facebook. Susan Beckwith, you are the best, even if your soup etiquette is absolutely unattainable. Uh, we'll try our hardest. Thank you.
3: Have a great weekend. Thanks, you too. And speaking of the weekend, it's time for us to go. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you back here on Monday. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.